welcome to Bad Patient. I'm Robin Donovan. And I'm Laura Marker. And we are two non-medical, non-experts taking an unreasonably deep dive into this week's health news. This week's words are girls trips, processed food, untreated, teen vape. Nice. I'm dying for a girls trip or any trip. I'm dying for some travel. It makes not a lot of sense because it's February, but I saw this and I was like, I want that. Okay. Let's do it. I want to... I don't know. I don't know if it's like in the budget or whatever, but everyone in Portland goes to Hawaii in the same way that people in the Midwest go, I don't know where, like Lake Michigan or something. It's like a, it's like where everyone goes for their like long, for their long weekend or their week away. And I've never been to Hawaii and I don't know if I'm going to get to Hawaii this year. And in an extremely white privileged moment, I'm just like sad for myself now. Maybe I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. I could I could pick up some side projects or something. I don't know. All right, Laura, what's our first story? <laughs> so our first story comes from Southern Living, and it's, watch, take a trip with your girlfriends is good for your health, according to science. Of course it's good for your health. Also, can they stop citing science itself as a source? Science is not a source, people. <laughs> science is like a whole field. So... Clear your schedule and pack your bags because you're going on a girl's trip. No, I'm not. That's why I'm sad. Science says an occasional mini break with your friends is good for you. So it's not just about your family going on vacation with your family. This is about going on friends, going on trips with your friends. So in 2016, researchers found evidence that hanging out with friends can increase production of oxycodone. And, uh, yep. And science has shown oxytocin can make people more trusting, more generous, and friendlier. All things you look for in friends. It's kind of a catch-22, because if you already have friends, then spending time with your friends makes you friendlier. So it's just like the rich get richer. Mm. Yes. Because conversely, the folks at Harvard discovered that people who don't have strong friendships tend to be more depressed, have later-in-life cognitive decline, and frightening enough, are more likely to die younger mm-hmm. at a younger age. So mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is why I have so. I have standing arrangements with you and another friend. I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name on the podcast, but I'll check. Um, that like, if we get into like our 80s and we're like old single ladies, that we're all gonna like get a house together and have unreasonable numbers of animals and like, you know, eat chocolate and popcorn for dinner every night. That's the plan. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we're going to yeah. live forever, according to science. According to science. I so, love this story. You should do a girls weekend. I should. That's what's, because science. Because science. And that's why, I know. that's why I'm going on spring break. Because mm. of science. You're going to Disney? Science told me, Yeah. Because science told me I had to. Science told you. You didn't even want to go, but science told you it was good for your longevity and you're sucking it up. It's like, you know, it's like eating a carrot or getting eight hours of sleep. You're going on vacation, like taking one for the team. With friends. Yeah. With friends. All right, Laura. So Uh, you are, our audience does not realize, but a Disney expert of sorts. And what I would like to know are what are your top three tips for adults traveling to Disney World with adults so like 
or is it Disney? Disney? No, Disney World is Florida. Disneyland is California. What are your top tips for adults doing an adult-only Disney trip? Um, to make sure to check out Epcot at like a festival time if you can swing it. So we're going uh, during the Flower and Garden, and they have like all these different kinds of food booths that are being put up or whatever. And like Epcot has a festival. I feel like every other month so i'm super excited for it the menus just came out like last week and i've been staring at all the menus and i think i'm gonna be brave and try some new shit that i wouldn't necessarily eat in my real life and i don't care i'm just gonna do it so i'm gonna take like 100 bucks and just eat my way around the world and it's gonna be fabulous and i'm super excited for it that sounds very exciting yes uh the other trip is to uh to book your fast passes in advance. And then a third tip would be just to have fun and let yourself be a kid at the park. And it's so, sometimes fun to be silly with characters. You know mm-hmm. that they're a character. They know you know that they're a character. It's still fun. So, yeah. Got it. I'm Wait, super so excited for it. A fast pass prevents you from waiting in line? Is that the situation? Yeah, so it's a, it's a shorter line that gets priority. So it's not okay. like no wait, but it is like a shorter wait. So instead right. of like an hour and a half waiting to ride the most popular ride, you could get, you know, like a 10-minute wait. Uh, okay. I understand. So maybe um, when you come to Disneyland one day, I should come with you. I agree because science said you should. I know, but I'm also, like, terrified that I just won't like it, and then I'll be, like, that angry person. If they had a Disney in Hawaii, it would be a perfect compromise. Oh, my God, they do. It's just not – it's a resort that's very expensive. Oh, wow. (laughs) I could uh, could afford to rent a car and sleep in the back of it right now, so that's a thing. That's a thing we could do. Also, um, in case you're um, in our audience and you're concerned, I'm not starving to death. I just bought a condo recently, and that's a thing. So I'm going to be using this excuse for the next four and a half years. Your house four. Also? Yeah. yeah. Your yeah. house four. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, no. I'm not that. I mean, no. It's all good. Mm. It's just like, like, right now, is, right now is not the time to, like, buy the $3,000 bike or whatever. Okay. Um. But we are going to go to Disneyland together. I love this idea. And I understand and appreciate your concern. But I fucking love Disney. And if you go with somebody who loves Disney, I feel like you'll have fun. Because we'll make sure it's Robin fun. Okay. I mean, this might be very, like, INTJ of me. And don't at me. I know that Myers-Briggs has been debunked, okay, but it's still somewhat useful to, to, to me, like, my everyday language. But so, like, as, as an introvert, I think one of – or maybe as an INTJ, it, this makes me want to go and, like, watch a bunch of Disney movies. Like, the first thought I had when you're like, we're going to go to Disney together is, well, okay, then I need to set aside, like, six weekends to watch, like, one movie per weekend so that when I go to Disney, I know who the characters are. Okay. It's like, cool they're not the old characters. Beforehand. I mean, some yeah. of them are. Really? Peter Pan still wanders around. Alice okay. in Wonderland's still there. But yeah, you should you should brush up on your new Disney princesses. Moana is a very good movie. Oh, I've, se- oh, I've seen as- Moana. I've seen Moana. Enjoyed Moana. And I like Mulan a lot. I guess that's no longer new. That was like 15 years ago. But 
Tangled? Mm. Did you see Tangled Rapunzel? Don't push it. No. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just trying to see what the gap is. Yeah, no, you're, like, there's a big gap, okay? I was like, those are the only two I've seen. <laughs> and I saw Frozen. I saw Frozen by virtue of taking, like, a ton of cross-country flights last year or the year before, whenever it came out, and it was just on every Delta flight, and everyone was watching it, and I don't even think I ever watched it straight through, but I've seen it. So, all right, That's Laura. Fair. What's Frozen, our next story? Frozen 2 is coming out, mm. and I'm super pumped for it. Dude, no, I hate... <sighs> sequels i hate sequels go on um i'm gonna need you to watch the trailer and tell me that anna's hair does not look fucking amazing okay so all right I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna need you to we're gonna that. need to do some okay. research okay we'll do okay <laughs> uh our next story comes from the guardian and it's study links heavy processed food to risk of earlier death oh my god i looked so at this French- one yeah French researchers uh, did a research that involved over 44,000 people for a period of seven years, and they found that people whose diets made up of ultra-processed food um, were uh, more likely to die early. Yeah. So there were 602 deaths, of which 219 were from cancer, 34 from cardiovascular and it doesn't say where the other 400 or so went. So this was in uh, JAMA International Medicine? Internal. Nope, not, not international. Internal. Just internal. <laughs> I think it's funny, though, uh, but- um, that they didn't, like, so JAMA is the Journal of the American Medical Association. And mm-hmm. so that should be capitalized. And they didn't capitalize it. But this is The Guardian, which is, like, published in the UK. And I, I wonder if this is a typo or if the person generally or like truly genuinely did not know you know and they just thought it was called jama like that jama was some kind of a word and not an and not an acronym yeah i do not know i love it i love so, it it doesn't necessarily show that there's a link between ultra processed food and early death but it does show that junk food is probably bad for you <laughs> Do you think, like, diet and exercise could help, Laura? Probably. Probably. Mm. But there's no way to know. And guess what no tends... No one would definitely tell you to do that. <laughs> and guess what tends to influence how much highly processed foods you consume? What? Your socioeconomic status. What a shock. Oh. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I Who found knew? that shocking. Mm. Nope. There's no way to know. Though we could God, not have predicted. God you were here. You know how, like, sometimes at the end of podcasts or shows or whatever, they have, like, a pre-recorded, like, outro where they they give all their, you know, credits and social media and stuff? I think, like, we could almost Uh, do that for health news. Just at the end, be like, more research needed. This disproportionately affects people of lower socioeconomic status as well as minorities. Diet and exercise could help. That could be at the end of 80% of health news. We just don't even write the yes. last paragraph, folks. We've got it for you. We'll queue it up. We'll let you know. <laughs> I read this story, and so in case you're listening for the first time, Laura sends me these stories, and I have not seen them in advance, but occasionally she sends something that I would have like come across elsewhere. So I read this not here but somewhere, and the first thing I wanted to know was the definition of, quote, ultra-processed, because I wanted to like not die, and I couldn't figure it out. You know, like... The link didn't, didn't tell? 
Um, I don't... I don't know. The link here... Oh, my God. The link here is not to the study. It's to just the journal. And then I don't know, you know... Let me see if I can find the study, but yeah. All right, that, that is like yeah, a cheap trick, too. Okay, four days ago. Man. Also, did you know, like, unrelated to anything, that the chocolate, there's like a chocolate industry lobby that has funded a lot of the chocolate research? I think you might have actually told me that. Okay. Yes. So this was a study. I'm on the site. If you're interested, the full study is called Association Between Ultra-Processed Food Consumption and Risk of Mortality Among Middle-Aged Adults in France. And that is absolutely not the most succinct way of wording that title. You're welcome. Um, So in part, this doesn't apply to us, Laura. We're not in the age range, okay? This was... People, so I can keep eating junk food. You Good can, to know. yeah, get the Cheetos and the Coke going. It's not about us. There's no way to know. So... No, I, I don't know. Can I get the full text? No. Yeah, like JAMA never lets you read anything. So, okay. Oh my God, there's a comment. There's a comment. Oh, someone commented, there are a collection of lifestyle behaviors associated with high consumption of ultra-processed foods, many of which are not dietary in nature. So this person's just pointing out, like, lifestyle factors, which the study points out. Thus, it's a stupid comment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Shut down. Well, this whole thing. your comment and does not like it. Yes. No, your comment indicates that you haven't even read the abstract. Congratulations to you. Um, So I just just really want to know their definition of ultra-processed. I just, I really do. Also, story that you did not pick that's in here that now I want to, oh, I want to check out is a systematic review of reduced salt intake for heart failure. Story for another day, but still. (laughs) <laughs> all right you ready for the next article we're just yeah. plowing through this I, what can i say okay. like you're, you're on a roll it's fine it's, it's cool. <laughs> uh our next story comes from cnn and it's nearly one in seven kids and teens have mental health conditions and half go untreated study says so this is JAMA, correctly pronunciated, uh, capitalized, pediatrics, um, <laughs> published saying that half of the children in the United States uh, with mental illness go untreated. And so it's looking at uh, survey results from a 2016 survey for uh, children's health. Um, and... It's saying that there's a wide variety of, like, where those children with mental health conditions are. So, like, one in seven in the United States, but Hawaii has 7.6% and Maine has 27.2%. And then whether or not they are treated, 
uh, also widely ranges with 29.5% in District of Columbia to 72.2 in North Carolina. So this story Man. is also looking at like the fact that there are challenges for getting children mental health with stigma and then access and then also funds, um, mm-hmm. how uh, not everybody has access or wants to have their kid necessarily labeled. And so they refuse uh, to get assistance because there's such a negative stigma for mental illness. Yeah. And I've heard that about, I've heard that about medical students actually, that they're less likely to get depression treatment because nobody wants like a depressed doctor or maybe I don't, I don't know if it like holds them up at all in medical school. I, I can't see that possibly being legal, but you know, honestly, I think if I had my choice, I would, I'd go for a doctor with a mental health issue and I'd go for a doctor with a physical issue too. Cause I think that's just a broader mm-hmm. life experience and they're more likely to be nice to you. Yeah. So this article looks at like a different way to like accommodate. So it can be challenging to get, to get to the kids So um, a lot of pediatric health systems are starting to integrate their services in pediatric pediatricians' offices. So they're embedding um, mental health providers within the existing um, area. So like Children's Hospital of Philadelphia has Healthy Minds, Healthy Kids initiative that helps um, get those, get that connected. Sometimes I wonder, though, like, if that's really realistic. It's like asking primary care providers to, like, do a bunch of extra screening. Like, for a while, they were trying to get primary care providers to, like, ask everyone if they were wearing seatbelts. And while I agree that that's a great access point, I sometimes think, okay, but are you going to give them more time per person? Because if not, you're just, at a certain point, you're just going to have, like, rapid, like, your annual physical is going to be, like, rapid-fire questions. You know, you wear a seatbelt. Yeah, have you been depressed? But, have you been, like? Yeah, but it's the the care is there. So, like, yes, you are depressed. So then I tell you, well, you have to call this number to see if they have availability, and it's a you know a three month wait. So you're not going to follow up, right? Yeah. So with it being embedded they can do day of appointments and also within the hospital system, it's not necessarily um, primary care yeah. providers. Well, so helping students who are in crisis for another reason, maybe as well. Yeah, I could see, okay. I can see that working. I think also what might be more likely is virtual treatment. Um, mm-hmm. I had a freelance client who I helped edit some, um, psychology essays for recently and like talking to that person months later we were talking about like this possibility of even like apps that are essentially they're not artificial intelligence but they're like automated and you kind of like talk to the app and it talks back and you track your mood and all this stuff like a lot of people in the mental health world are starting to see that as either competition or a big opportunity so I wonder it's if that's more likely for kids too, especially if it's like text based. Of course, then you mm-hmm. have to have a smartphone, right? Yeah. So yeah, so it's trying to address like the issue that is there 
and trying to find creative ways to help reduce that. And then also, you know, like you said, um, the process is um, one more thing for doctors to deal with, but um, mental health can can escalate if untreated and can cause other more, more serious issues yeah. than if they had been dealt with earlier that it might have been an easier treatment. So, so true. Um, I really kind of just, I don't know. I wonder also if annual physicals are going to go away. I think like, so right now I don't, I don't think there's a great amount of research that shows that you need one. I don't know if anyone tends to know that, but mostly, especially in younger people, you kind of don't as far as I understand. So I wonder if there's any opening to just do like a, like a health check-in kind of a thing where they like, cause how cool would it be if they just talked to you about like your actual risk factors and then, and then decided like to have a conversation with you about mental health or nutrition or like, what if you could get information that would actually be useful instead of like, if you're a healthy young adult from 20 to 30, what's the point of like getting weighed and getting your blood pressure taken every year when they could be like doing something else? So, mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, creating an actual thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, that is a great idea. They should increase the work that they do (laughs) (laughs) they should work harder everyone should eat better and exercise more next story (laughs) (laughs) our last story comes from gizmodo and it's one in five u.s teens vaped in 2018 and the fda is not happy about it (laughs) so there was um the center for disease control um and prevention does like a survey um, that the um, the National Youth Tobacco Survey um, showed that uh, 3.6 million kids used e-cigarette products at least once in the past 30 days during 2018, and that's 1.5 more million kids than they thought that had done it in 2017. Um, the thing that is not really clear is if it, they're like chronical users or if it's just like a thing that they did once in the last 30 mm-hmm. days or, you know, whatever. So e-cigarettes okay. are tobacco free, but have nicotine. Um, so they're highly, can be highly addictive that way. And, um, kids are, kids are smoke are vaping. Yeah. I mean, who's surprised by that? It's helping so many people quit smoking, but yeah. And also they're starting to find that vaping, like what do you call that? The vapor, whatever the stuff is that you're actually vaping. We used to think it was as harmless as steam. And now we know that it's not quite that simple. I'm not sure. I haven't seen like super recent research, but it's not quite as good for you. Or it's not quite as neutral as we thought, which is why a lot of places are starting to not let people vape inside. Because when it first mm-hmm. came out, it was like, well, if it's just water vapor, if it's literally, it's like scented steam, then what's the difference between that and like wearing perfume and ordering a cup of tea? And now they're like, eh. And like, really, who's surprised by this? 
I also think it's weird how we kind of like give a personality to these agencies. Like the FDA is not happy about it. I mean, you know, I don't know. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, the FDA is doing a lot of things I'm not happy about, but actually one thing the FDA is doing like left turn that I am happy about is they're starting to crack down on supplements. After like a million years, a million years of like supplements being laced with stuff, of having like the substances like that aren't on the label, of having things that are on the label, but in like a completely different quantity. Yeah, the FDA is cracking down. Story you should have picked. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean. That's going to be my political health news. It was? (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> well, segue in, segue in. What are your thoughts? Because I'm stoked, so the man. F- the FDA is starting to, starting to enforce rules about like what they can and can't label. And they said that like they're they're like suing different companies, saying like they have to fix their labels because they're implying that things will work in a certain way that has not been proven in any way. And that kind of advertisement is illegal. So, yeah. Th- so I guess it was about how it was marketed rather than what was necessarily in it. Yeah, yeah. and like <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing is I also like people tend to report this as like the FDA is cracking down as if they never have before. But I think that the FDA it's kind of circular. Like they they can't they don't have enough resources to police the whole thing, which is why people are you know getting all sorts of stuff in these supplements. So they just do it periodically. And every time they do it, we report on it as if it's happening for the first time. So, like, spoilers. For the first time ever, the FDA yeah. does its job. Yeah. So, like, interestingly, this this affected a, a product um, that's really common in Western Europe. I want to say even beyond the UK, but certainly, like, UK and elsewhere. Um, which is topical ibuprofen, so like ibuprofen in a gel form. And there was a bunch of brands, and it it was in the U.S. a number of years ago, and then there was an FDA crackdown, and I can't remember what they got them on. You know, like every single company got, you know, wrist-slapped for the same thing. And so basically they all pulled out of the U.S. market. And so now, Mm -hmm. even though, like, ibuprofen gel is legal here uh i haven't checked in a year or two but um i like it for my wonky jaw and it it's really not available unless you order it through like amazon uk so it's kind of a i don't know that that was their intended effect but like that's what happened so yeah that's one of those ones where I was like, oh, thanks for thanks for cracking down on this super dangerous topical ibuprofen. Because, you know, God knows, like, we can take a supplement and take, you know, 400 times the amount of, like, turmeric you're supposed to eat in a day or whatever. I guess there's no recommended daily maximum for spices. But, you know, you, you take an amount of a spice that's, like, 500 times what you would eat if you just ate, like, a serving of curry. And we're going to let people take that. And that's fine. It's, like, not tested, but that's fine. And then we take something that's like could actually help people in a dose that is reasonable, and it's like, well, no, 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 like we can't have that. Get rid of that. Just torch the whole thing. So, yeah, I don't know. The FDA has a lot of problems. Still salty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am. You know how much it costs to ship that stuff? 
Probably a lot. So that is that not available in Prime? <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. If I type it in gel, I just get gel caps. So I think there are oh, some... I think there's like some really like small name companies making it but like the ones that we would want so this like that's the other thing that had that had happened is they didn't ban the substance they they knocked out like the top five or six people making it selling it in the u.s so you can kind of still get it sometimes but you're getting it from some no-name company and so like ironically it's like the quality of what you're going to get is probably way lower now. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, some dude mixing this stuff up in his garage. <laughs> you don't know that. You don't know. God, so bad. You should see all the things that come up on Amazon when I search for topical ibuprofen. I'm pretty sure none of this is real. Like real time pain relief foot foot cream convenience pack, like arnica flower tincture with tea tree oil, clove oil, and vitamin E. I'm gonna just go out on a huge limb and say I don't think that aloe vera, arnica, boswella, tea tree, clove oil, and vitamin E are effective pain reducers, particularly topically. But hey, for forty four ninety five, we could we could figure this out. Anyway, it's real dumb. It's real dumb. It's like the FDA keeps us safe, and then sometimes they go way too far, and then sometimes they don't go far enough. And like, uh, yeah, I feel I feel like we could slam the government here, but you know they haven't been working a lot recently, so I don't want to do anything that might set them off. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. So Um, what is your current medical fascination, Robin? Oh, surprise, Laura. I sent you a link to a story you haven't read, and now we're going to talk about it. What? I didn't (laughs) even know that was possible. No, you you knew. I kind of told you. So we got a couple comments on one of our stories, which made me 12 out of 10 excited. So you remember the week when we talked about the cancer cure thing where the researchers mm-hmm. it was like that thing called mutato so one person and then they said they're going to cure cancer in a year so i put i put this up on facebook and was just asking like did anyone get duped by this and one person was like yep and another person pointed out which i thought was a really good comment that we talked about that cancer is not going to get cured in a year but we didn't talk as much about the actual technology in the article which showed promise. So they referred us to the Jerusalem Post, which published the first piece about about the mutato research, and then it was picked up all over the place. So, Laura, as luck would have it, uh, I'm not sure I found the right story because now they've done like 20 stories on this, right? So I sent you one, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Um, are you? Did you get to open it? Do you want me to yes. send it to your email? Okay. I wasn't sure. Listeners. No, I found it. Laura has an unusual cell phone. Sometimes we cannot be sure <laughs> of what it will do. So I don't know. Um, 
So I, I would clarify and say that I don't think when we talked about this the first time that we really were trashing the technology or the, the research finding as much as the claim that it will cure cancer in a year, right? It was really the timing that I think we're against. So right. is that what you remember? Yeah. That's, because they were... That was my concern. Based yeah. on the fact that they um, are still working on mice, yeah. it seems unlikely that they would be able to pull it all together. I mean, I've heard the FDA is cracking down on year. stuff lately, so maybe they're going to, you know, maybe they're gonna, maybe they're going to put some effort into this, but yeah. If it's in mice today, odds of it completing every stage of human trials and then being approved and then being available by 2020 seem real small. It's more likely that I go to Hawaii and Disneyland this year than that these people <laughs> cure cancer. All right. So, so I think, like, technology-wise, I mean, it's no CRISPR, all right? It's no CRISPR. But so they're calling this thing Mutato, which I love because it sounds like potato. And they're saying it's using a combination of several cancer-targeting peptides for each cancer cell at the same time, combined with a strong pepsi- peptide toxin that would kill cancer cells specifically. And then they're using three of those at the same time for each structure with a strong toxin. So this is supposed to to mean that cancer cells, which I guess typically mutate as time goes on, are more targetable because mm-hmm. if you're if you're getting them at three different sites, even if they mutate, to my understanding, the odds are that one of the three at least is still the same. So if they're targeting them in this way, we can leave healthy cells behind, we can target cancer cells, and we're able to target cells even as they mutate so the drug will continue to work or i don't i don't know if they're making this into a drug or what but they would have to be right how else would they do this (laughs) um hit you with a laser beam or something so and so i think in the same way that like bacteria can become antibiotic resistant a cancer can become resistant to any treatment if it's if it's mutating 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 and the treatment can't keep up so, well, this this says, unlike um, the AIDS cocktail that um, patients have to take throughout their lives, in the case of Mutato, the cells would be killed and the patient would likely stop treatment after only a few weeks. Yeah. So, well, I don't know if I understand HIV AIDS well enough to explain why this is different, but that's also a virus and this is a cancer. And so I think we're like apples and oranges on some level. Um, That being said, I do think an HIV AIDS actual cure is going to happen. I don't, I want to say in our lifetime, maybe not, but we've made, we've made so much progress with that. In his state of the union, uh, Trump wanted to be able to eliminate HIV in the next decade, so that's I mean, what they are working towards. Okay, well, that would be lovely. I think. I mean, I think the the amazing thing about HIV/AIDS that has happened is that you can be HIV positive and be have a viral load that is so low that you cannot, or most probably, will not transmit the virus. So you can have people where you've stopped them from spreading it, and that's amazing. Right. Yeah. 
The other interesting thing I learned. The drug. Yeah. So what you're saying, Laura, is a socioeconomic factors play in. Do you think like diet and exercise could help? Probably Healthy diet, a little exercise, Probably. keep you living more longer? researchers. More researchers. More researchers needed. <laughs> Perfect. So that's our feeling on cancer. We do hope we we have every hope that they will cure cancer in a year, but we're not going to hold our breath. What we are going to do is let you know that you can reach us with your questions at hello at the bad patient dot wait what is it hello at the bad patient.com sorry uh we're on twitter at the bad patient we'd love to hear from you uh if we're posting on facebook love to hear your comments questions and concerns and we want to say a double thank you to composer evan schaefer who we forgot last week thanks evan <laughs> he composed our theme song uh, you remembered him i just blew right by it so you can listen to his stuff all his stuff at soundcloud.com slash Evan Schaefer. Should get him on the show. Sometime. All right. Until next time, we are bed patient.